0: Esiason, and you're listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast, presented by the Boomer Ison Foundation and Gunnerasison.com. This podcast series has been made possible by Vertex. Novartis, Digital Credit Union, and Atlantic Health. The views expressed on Breathe In, a Cystic Fibrosis podcast, are that of Gunnar Assayas and Tiffany Rich, and guests, and not necessarily those of the Boomer and Foundation. Nothing in this podcast series should be considered medical advice. Such advice can only be given by a physician who's experienced with Cystic Fibrosis. The Boomer Esiason Foundation, Gunner and Tiffany Rich, and guests cannot be held responsible for any damage which may result from using the information on this podcast without the permission of your medical doctor. You're listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast. Right, we're back for a- another episode of Breathe In. Uh, joined by Tiffany Rich, you'll hear an interview later in today's uh, podcast, but for the first half, it's just going to be me and Tiffany talking so hey <laughs> tiffany how are you doing
1: i'm okay my sinuses are a little rough i might say i don't know what's going on but hopefully we can figure it out i emailed my ent
0: yes we we do need that figured out because you just had sinus surgery not so long ago so we gotta we gotta get yeah. to the bottom of this um sure. so today's podcast we're gonna have uh some guests on later in the episode from folia health um so they'll talk a little bit about that but uh in in, in uh in joining with what they do is we're all going to talk about care decisions. How do you uh, decide what you're going to do uh, when t- push comes to shove and you need to make a decision about your care with your care team uh, or with some of your other care providers? So um, what I mean by that is, you know, let's say you're faced with a decision of what either what antibiotic. To choose or airway clearance device you want to use, um, and it's kind of a, a little bit of what we talked about last week with Molly Pam, uh, you know, having the information uh, at hand to uh, to make some of these choices. So, uh, you know, I, I guess I'll just get right into it. And then Tiffany will talk about you because you know, obviously, you went the, the, the lung transplant and yeah. that involves some pretty large care decisions. Do uh, <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, I think uh, w- when it comes time to you know decide either not only you know what provider you want to use too that's also a something a, a choice that a lot of us have to make um, but also you know some smaller things like you know what albuterol to be on and and those types of things i i, I love to talk to a, other patients, and get their experience with some of these things. I think anecdotal information is very valuable. Obviously, it's, you know, uh, qualitative data, not necessarily a quantitative or an exact measure of how someone's doing. Talking about some of these things is very important. Um, but also, uh, you know, working with my doctor and, and talking about her experience in using a number of different medications. You know, I'll give you one example. Uh, not, not long ago... Where uh, I decided to use, uh, you know, off-label antibiotics, uh, inhale off-label antibiotics. And the reason I did that was because, um, you know, some of the the brand name antibiotics or some of the things that we use a lot of times to stick fibrosis just weren't working for me. They were either making me feel worse or... Um, you know, I was coughing up blood, I was reacting negatively, of course, they were drug resistant. And you know, using off label antibiotics is, is, a, is a big choice that uh, some people with cystic like fibrosis use, it's becoming more and more common, especially as people with CF grow older. Um, you know, some of our, uh, you know, our infections in our lungs are, are very, very resistant, and we have to kind of think outside the box. But in, in choosing to do off label antibiotics, it kind of comes down to uh, you know, are you willing to put up with the hassle that's going to come with, you know, getting insurance coverage around that? Um And also, um, you know, it's they're not they're not specifically formulated for uh, for inhalation. So you kind of have to deal with some some of those weird things. And, you know, in talking with other patients who use them, and there are quite a few patients who do, uh, especially a lot of older patients, you know, the, the big example is Colistin. Some people, a lot of people use Colistin, which is an off-label brand here in the U.S. Not, it's not even a brand, it's just an off-label antibiotic in the U.S. here. Um, and it's one of those things where You know, you talk about successes and failures. And I think for me, I was just kind of left without a choice of of whether or not I was able to do them. You know, I know Leah used to talk about using off-label antibiotics all the time because those were the only choices she had. So um, I think patient resources is very valuable, but also being able to ask your doctor tough questions. You know, if I use this off-label antibiotic, is that going to influence how uh, my choices when I go on IVs, those kinds of things? And they're just important topics to talk about. But Tiffany, I want to hear you, Uh, especially when you went through the process of trying transplant, you know, what went into either, you know, choosing the transplant clinic uh, and also, you know, um, you know, whatever other care decisions that may go into the transplant process.
1: Right. So when I got told I needed to be evaluated for transplant, I was totally against it um, because I had never really experienced anyone going through it. Um, I've never seen a success or anything because I I just never... um, witnessed anyone so it was new to me and my decision actually to go through with it came from talking to a girl that had a double lung transplant three years prior and how good she was doing and all this stuff and she happened to go to Stanford so (laughs) I had so I had to pick between two centers that are over here which is UCSF or Stanford Um, where I live Stanford's just way easier to get to than Mm. it is to go to UCSF. UCSF is pretty deep into San Francisco. And um, if if you've ever been to San Francisco, it's hard to get in and out of the city just going to do like shopping. Mind you, going all the way to go get a transplant or go to doctor's visits. So I decided to go with Stanford because of where it is. And then I saw that my friend had, my new friend had mm-hmm. got her transplant there, and she was doing great. So that was kind of my theory going through it. And um, then I took a while to do my evaluation because I was still skeptical, and I was like, "Do I really need this? Is this like, am I gonna get better, or what? Like, what's gonna happen?" So I took like six months to do all my transplant stuff and I was still feeling the same and I was still getting sick every so often like probably every three months I think I was getting sick at that point so I decided I'm gonna go do it let's just do it get it done um, this can be I'm not getting listed right now but this might be a good backup if I need it so I went through it all and then it came the time that they're like okay we're bringing it to the board and The board decided that it was time for me to be listed and this is my I had to make the decision do I want to get listed do I want to put myself on that list and from what I the way I was living the quality of life I had that made me realize that it was time so I did put myself on the list Mm -hmm. and I think seeing that how much antibiotics I was needing really made me get that decision too, because I wasn't living like I used to be Mm -hmm. I was on antibiotics all the time I was feeling awful and um you know you have a week or two that are good and you're like oh yay I'm feeling great like yeah let's go do stuff and then all of a sudden it's just back again so going through all that and then I remember when I was like at the end um right before transplant Leah and I were just going back and forth with all these different type of meds that I could take. Cause you know, she was all, all about that. <laughs> the antibiotics, the different ones that we could take and all that stuff. She's like, why don't we ask the doctor about this and this? And we did. And like my heart rate was going super high with an uh, albuterol. So I had to go make the decision to switch to zopinex because Mm. of the fact that my heart rate was going way too fast and i was losing weight easily by that so i had to go make that decision and then finding the right doctors especially when i was in the hospital that was a whole different process because in the hospital i didn't have my my cf pulmonologist i was at a hospital that was near my house, um, which I'm under Kaiser, so Kaiser's just like has hospitals everywhere here. So um when I went to the hospital, they the doctors there didn't know anything about cystic fibrosis and they didn't understand that um I did need the oxygen or you know they tried to turn off the oxygen before and I was like, no, we don't do that. And I had to advocate for myself saying, no, we're gonna put me on this, this, and this, and this is how it's gonna work. Because If I didn't do it like that, I knew I would get sicker. Mm So I had to tell them, like, this is what antibiotic works on me. And that's what you're going to put on me. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So it was kind of like all that kind
0: of stuff so I mean, I, I want to kind of back up here. You, you talk a little bit about you know some of the your experiences here and what directed your care. you know you're talking about how mm-hmm. you know the your lifestyle, your quality of life is what led to ultimately agreeing to being on the transplant list and and, and those kinds mm-hmm. of things um, and I think that's also a big part of you know directing your own care and choosing what kind of care you mm-hmm. need is your quality of life is a huge factor um, it's, it's, it's something that you can't overlook because. Mm-hmm um it 's just one of those it it 's what your life is right it's yeah. your, your quality of life at the end of the day is you know not not only your relates to your will to survive and your desire to survive but also mm-hmm. you know how how your life is going and I think that's a huge influence and factor in choosing care choices and and making care decisions because it's um it's your, your day-to-day life. And when you go to the doctor, you know, yep. that's not something they see every single day. You know, when you're at the clinic or when you're at a clinic visit or at the hospital, you know, all they're seeing is that quick, brief snapshot of what it yeah. means to be living with cystic fibrosis in that specific mm-hmm. moment. So I think yeah. it's important for folks to you know, take that into consideration, especially when you're making some of these care choices is, is that, um, you know, and the interview that you're, you'll hear in a few minutes kind of talks about that. Uh, is, is that, you know, when you're at the clinic, you know, you're basically giving a snapshot of what your health is like. It's not, you know, you're not really capturing the full trend. I mean, I've been to the clinic plenty of times where I feel great Right. Yeah. But compared to how yes, I had sure. compared to how I had been feeling for the, the previous few weeks and maybe it's just the fluke mm-hmm. day. And I've also been on the other side of it where I've had, you know, a great stretch and then for whatever reason I'm waking up super early to go to clinic, maybe I didn't get a great treatment in. And of course mm-hmm. when I'm at clinic I'm not feeling spectacular and I don't blow a great PFT. So right. you know, I think there's a there are a bunch of different factors that have to be taken into consideration. Um, and to hear you talk about, you know, your lifestyle as a, as a major driving force to why you chose to, to pursue transplant and why you chose to pursue uh, going to Stanford because you know you didn't want to have to have the stress of driving into downtown San Francisco for all these appointments. I mean, the, the appointments are already kind of—I can imagine—to be you know stress-inducing. So you wanted yeah. to, you know, I guess manage that uh, as part of it.
1: Yeah, and like doing going to clinics always going to be anxiety-ridden. Uh-huh. So if you can have it a little bit less stressful by not having as much traffic or you know just the little things, it helps yep. so much. You know, and then. Now, my life is just like, my quality of life is so much better. Oh, well, yeah. And, uh, that's, the, that's the biggest
0: understatement in the entire history of the yeah. world.
1: Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> like, breathing is lovely, you know. And <laughs> I'm glad that I took the initiative and put myself first and said, you know, my life needs to be like it used to be. And being able to breathe a little bit, well, now I breathe a lot, 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 lot better than I was when I was younger, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, just putting everything in perspective of my life was not the way it should be.
0: Cool. Um, Well, you're about to hear an interview uh, that we're we're actually trying something a little different. We're going to try uh, integrating segmented interviews into the podcast. So, uh, you know, I did an interview with uh, some folks from Folia Health, and you'll hear about their program. And it's going to be something that I think we're going to sort of do more often is integrate uh, some interviews into the larger uh, the larger podcast episode. Um, So we'll see how it works out this week, and uh, if people like it, if we if we don't like it, uh, you know, definitely let us know. We we're open to feedback. Um, And so this is an interview that I did with. some folks from Folia, and I hope you enjoy it. All right, I am joined today by uh, Nell Mioski luo and Celeste Hermes from uh, Folia. Uh, Folia is a new program for cystic fibrosis patients and families. Uh, I'll let them talk about it in a little bit. Uh, Nell is the founder and CEO of the organization, and Celeste is actually a sophomore at University of Texas at Austin, but also a project coordinator at Folia. Guys, why don't you say hi to the listeners out there, um, and let's let's talk about Folia. Tell us a little bit about it.
2: Hello, um, I'm Mel. Hey, I'm Celeste. (laughs) Uh, So I'll give you a little bit of a background on Folia and then uh, Celeste can talk about the project that she's working on. But um, basically Folia got started about two and a half years ago um, after really a long time of my kind of thinking about the problem that um, patients and families have a lot of observations that they make every day. Um, about, you know, what's going on. Like, are they using their treatments? If they're not using their treatments, why not? And also what are the impacts of those treatments? Are they working as expected? How do people feel? Um, And the reason that kind of I notice this and care about it is that, I have a younger brother who has an immune deficiency, um, and my mom and my brother both um, you know, spend a lot of time and, and energy uh, recording what's going on with my brother in these notebooks. My mom has a bookshelf <laughs> in my parents' house with, with all this information. But none of that information uh, can reliably make it back to the clinic, um, and it also can't really be used for research, and it seems like a big waste. So I, I went to school um, and studied, you know, the, the way that we make decisions and treatment plans and and uh, it's called outcomes measurement. like how do we understand, you know what the outcomes of treatment are and how we can how we can better treat people more precisely? Um, and I just realized that there's kind of this this obvious connect where like, you know these patients and families know so much, they don't have a good way to record it or get it back to the clinic. And everybody who's doing research on understanding you know what the best treatments are, they don't have, access to really reliable data on you know what the impact of treatment is outside of the clinic and even you know for a cfer you maybe you're only in the clinic including hospitalizations like 15 or 20 days out of the whole year Um, for most people and for other conditions it's less than that it might be like you know five to ten days a year and uh, you've got then like 300 or more days every year that are going totally unrecorded but people, people notice things during that time, right? Like the patient's families know mm-hmm. things about those 300 days. So Folia is uh, basically a system, it's an app, and also an appointment guide, a report, Um, that collects this information by asking you multiple choice questions every day. You know, how are you feeling and and what treatments are you doing? Um, And then we, the goal of it is to make sure that people are getting more data-driven care at the appointment. Um, And then also to use that information to do research um, both on drugs, but also on the overall treatment plan, um, including things like, you know, vest time and and stuff like that. Um, And that kind of dovetails well into what Celeste is working on, which is kind of focused on getting the, the data back into the appointment.
3: Yeah, so I don't know if it was mentioned, but I am a CF patient, so I'm kind of on both sides of the receiving and giving end of this project. So um, it's very similar to what now mentioned. Like, <clears throat> I can be feeling really bad for, like, you know, a week or so, but that week is not going to be while i'm at clinic and so the numbers of like oh in january you know my fev one levels were good and then you know obviously that decline that they're not seeing and being able to go back and see oh yeah like i wasn't feeling great there you know my workouts were really hard um in comparison to know what they are now, for example. So basically what we're doing is um, we found that people are filling out their information, but they're not bringing it into clinic. And so I think the main reason for that is it's an automated age and everyone's used to, oh, it'll just be automatically there. They'll have it, but that's not the case. Um, It's a lot of patient um, initiative that, I mean, we're so busy. We don't have the time to print out the you know the appointment guide, bring it to clinic. Remember to bring it to clinic and um, have that conversation with the doctor that needs to be had from this information. So we're having really good information, but it's not being you know transferred to the clinic to be useful. And so basically, what we're doing is creating a provider portal that um, you know the doctors and the care team will see before the uh, patient even comes in. And so they'll have that data, they'll analyze it, um, and you know see the trends, see if there's something that needs to be addressed in the clinic. Um, and so then that'll have more accurate information that will help the patient um, and have diagnoses earlier than you know, possible ones if they didn't have that information. Mm-hmm. So basically, we're creating a um, kind of a test for the next three months or so uh, with Dell. And we're basically going to be figuring out if this is a viable option for us, like having the provider portal and th- if that's working. Um, so I had a meeting with uh, the care team there, like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And right now, we're just testing it out with a, uh, you know, an online uh, document sharing website. Um, but basically if this works out and the providers like it, the patients like it, then we're going to make a provider portal of our own. That'll be even easier and even more automated. So right now we're basically trying to get the patients to give us the permission to do that. Um, so I think we have three or four right now that, um, we, we can do that for, and we're trying to get more to just give up, give us that okay to you know, continue on with the clinic uh, automated appointment guides.
0: So what it sounds like is you have a, to me at least, it sounds like you have a bit of a qualitative versus quantitative um, journal. It's almost like an online journal that patients keep and that they're sharing with their, their care providers to help make informed decisions. And, you know, I've always kind of felt that, you know, whenever I go to clinic, you know, on let's say Tuesday in the middle of March, you know, I'm just getting the one snapshot of my clinic visit. There it doesn't really account for the three or four months between the clinic visits. And you know, for me, someone with CF, and especially in the Northeast, winter is always, for whatever reason, a bit of a tough time of year for me. You know, I have a lot going on. It's cold. It's cold and flu season, um, and that's not always captured. You know, I may wake up with a sniffle for for a handful of days, you know, I may get in touch with the clinic, and you know, we may just keep an eye on it. But I'm not really uh, no. Those individual symptoms uh, over the course of my cold or, or whatever it is that I'm dealing with, and it sounds like Folia is designed to capture that, but it's also designed to capture the really good days too. And I think, from what it sounds like, the idea is to figure out the trends in the good days versus the bad days. Um, so, you know, I do have a few more questions here. Is is uh, is it HIPAA compliant? You know, are patient is patient data safe on there? Um, and you know, I think a lot of people are concerned in the age of, you know, internet security and, and stuff like that, uh, is, is folia HIPAA compliant? And, um, you know, is it something that uh, care providers do want to use to improve care?
2: Yeah. So, um, the, the first answer is really easy. Uh, yep. We're HIPAA compliant. Um, the thing about, um, HIPAA is that it's actually, it's relatively easy to attain HIPAA compliance, but we're, we're taking it a step further. And, um, we're really, you know, trying to, to keep very high standards for information security. So it's not just about privacy and who we share the information with, which is a lot of what uh, HIPAA focuses on. But it's also about, you know, when we're storing the data in our system, making sure that that's um, as secure as it, as it can be. Um, and we've done a lot of work on that. And um, and honestly, you know, I, I think that um, uh, it's it's less of a problem than it used to be to to keep a lot of this data um, secure. But on the on the side of you know do the providers think that this is um, exciting and something that they want to do? Uh, I often say that our easiest sell is actually the providers, um, the care teams, both you know doctors, but also uh, nurse practitioners, nurses, and the social workers as well. Um, we even we even have dieticians that are really interested in this. Um, because of the fact that when they see what the report looks like, when they see you know what the responses um, that people are, are logging, it's just way more information than they've ever had um, you know at their fingertips and. And the reality of that is, you know, they went to medical school or a graduate program or whatever to, to learn how to do their jobs. But often they don't have as much information as they would like to have to be able to work to the top of their license and do everything that they know they could be doing for you. And so just having a better input, um, rather than asking you all these questions where they're not going to get a full response, I think is something that they, they're really happy about. The other cool thing is that um, a lot of CF clinics specifically are working on something called pre-visit planning um, where basically they're you know taking time before the visit to actually take a look at everything that they have on you you know your registry data your EHR data and then also now your folia data and so the idea is that there's actually now kind of a built-in time for them to be able to review this stuff before the appointment Um, and we're finding that it's it's working really well especially with pediatric clinics and the reason is because what Celeste was describing the fact that um, people are not finding time to bring the, the appointment guides in. For some reason, we found that parents are more likely to actually print out their reports and bring them into the clinic. I um, think it might just be because they tend to be a little bit older and maybe a little bit less um, uh, like assuming that things are automated. Um, and they also probably have a little bit more time than the patients who are trying to juggle treatments in real life mm-hmm. you know, and everything else. So <clears throat> a lot of this automated um, appointment guide stuff is really necessary for the for the patients, um, but the parents seem like they maybe they're just more likely to have printers. It <laughs> might be not, um, but they're bringing they're bringing in the reports, so we've been able to see that they're being used in the clinics.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, from what it sounds like, uh, it sounds like Folio is very self-aware. You know, you guys are trying to adapt to make it as patient-friendly as possible, uh, including having a patient on staff like like Celeste, um, which I which I totally appreciate. I think it's important to have patients involved uh, for the patient voice and also uh, as a representative of the community. Um, now, Celeste, you know, I want to ask you. As a patient who is also using Folia, you know what 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 benefits have you seen out of it um, in your as far as your own care goes, uh, and what do you want to see uh, for other patients from Folia?
3: Yeah, so I've noticed that you know different patients use it for different reasons. I tend to focus on my symptoms and uh, my my treatments. So I've noticed like if I happen to miss a treatment, I'm a lot more self aware of my health, um, and I think that's super important, like, it gives you a better idea of how effective your treatments are, and understanding that will make you more inclined to do them, Um, so i found, like, oh, I missed last night's treatment, and I'm, like, coughing a lot this morning. Um, Having that connection and correlation uh, really helps me um, try to be, you know, a better patient in doing my treatments. But um, I've I've found like you know having uh, certain dates of like oh this happened and being able to go back on that because I mean I know um, you know in clinic or a doctor's office they're like so what's the last time you felt this symptom and you know like remembering it's hardy like maybe that was a month ago or maybe it was a week ago. And having that defined date of this symptom, um, it helps a lot. Um, and even tracking, you know, your vaccines, like I know so many questions, like when's the last flu shot? And I'm like, I don't know. It was fall, I guess. But, you know, having those defined, um, data points helps so much in clinic and just, understanding and being self-aware of your disease.
0: I mean I, I agree with what you're saying there um, I think it's important for patients to know that they have control of their their medical information and also you know be able to pr- to share that with providers in different situations obviously we we're, we're also humans with cystic fibrosis, so you know we have other issues you know last year, I think I had a skin infection at one point and I had to go see a dermatologist and I was you know going through all of my CF files and the guy kind of had like his like this like what are you talking about look on his face and at the end of, at the end of the, the appointment he like made this recommendation that totally like was was super counterintuitive to my CF care at the same time, and I had to figure out a way to balance it. So, like, you know, I'm playing... Uh, you know, the phone operator between the dermatologist and my cystic fibrosis doctor, and we're trying to figure all this out, and it was just a, a nightmare. So it sounds like, uh, you know, the data points that you're putting in there and you're able to reference yourself is can also be helpful uh, in, in that kind of situation as well. Uh, so, N- Nell, we actually met last year, I think it was at University of Vermont, where I saw yeah. you give a presentation. Um, you know, how, how are you getting the word out there uh, about folia? What are you doing to engage patients and families uh, about building the program? Um, and is it available for everyone, or or what 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 is that like for Folia?
2: Yeah, yeah. So um, it was great to meet you. I was in Burlington at the Family Education Day. Yes, that's um, at University of Vermont is one of our um, is one of our pilot centers. Um, so so basically, you know, we think that it's really important that we have kind of a, a bottom up um, approach to reaching families because ultimately. Uh, You know, this is something that you really, it really matters that your clinician knows what Mm -hmm. folia is so that they can use the data effectively in the clinic. And it also matters that as a patient, you know, that, you know, your clinician is open to looking Mm -hmm. at this information Mm -hmm. before you go into the trouble of tracking it. So what we do is um, we basically create relationships with clinics Um, and we're starting, we've been doing this with our, our pilot programs, but uh, we're starting to do this at a broader scale this year, uh, where now that we're kind of exiting the pilot stage and the thing the thing works basically, <laughs> um, we're we're now um, adding a bunch of clinics. So we're actually talking with um, 18 different CF clinics right now, um, and we're calling this right now. We're calling it the Folio Provider Program. It's kind of a dumb name. We're looking we're looking for a better name, and we're going to have a, a, a like a launch of it in March in March, and we'll have a better name by that point. Um, but the the goal of this program is basically to have. Uh, uh, more than 20 different clinics across the US and CF that are telling their uh, patients about folia, getting them signed up, and then um, and then also accepting the data back into the clinic. And we're really excited to see, um, you know, how that can improve the communication at the appointment, but also how that can um, allow us to do some really interesting research with those clinics as well, especially ahead of like the triple combo coming out and things like that. It would be really cool to see, you know, how people's data change over time. Um, so that's that's where we are right now. We're trying to to sign people up through their clinics. But we also love to have people sign up themselves. Um, a lot of people don't feel like they need to hear about it from their clinic. They want to you know start tracking on their own we only have three clinics right now that we've been working with as pilot programs so but we actually have um, 31 States with folia users in them. And it's largely just because people share folia on Facebook and through their groups and, um, communities. Um, so yeah, people can sign up uh, we have invite codes, uh, that we give out just so we can see where people came from. <laughs> um, cause it helps us to understand, like, instead of having to ask, um, so the invite code that we have open right now, um, is uh, we have Fresh Start 19, so it's Fresh Start 19, um, everything in caps, um, and that's uh, that's what I mean, anybody can use to to log on to Folia and start their account, and it basically just tells us that you're a CF um, patient or family member who heard about this not from your clinic. Cool.
0: Um, yeah. So, um, interesting. You hear about that. And You're also talking about the research aspect of it. So, if you could talk a little bit more about that, you know, what is the the goal with the uh, the research that may be coming from Folia? Are you, are, you, are you sort of saying that you're acting as somewhat of a, a supplement to the already existing cystic fibrosis patient registry that tracks more than what the patient uh, registry does track? I mean, you know, a big bone of contention in the patient community right now is that the registry is not adapting to yeah. the changing environment that is cystic fibrosis. You know we're in this kind of situation where um, the, the the disease is changing so much, and the registry is a big reason why we've gotten as far we we have, and we we're able to track patterns and, and 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 statistical outcomes there. But it just isn't changing quite fast enough. It's not keeping up with the patient community and how we're and how we're changing. So is that sure. the, the gap that Folia is trying to fill for CF?
2: Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's not just the registry. It's actually like a lot of uh, electronic medical record systems, like EHR, EMR systems, have the same problem. They're just they're not necessarily tracking data in the way that we need it to be tracked now, like in the twenty first century. Especially when we're thinking about doing advanced analytics and like predictive stuff um, uh, that needs a better data set. And it all comes back to the fact that we're currently tracking a small number of days per year and we're missing out on so much. And so you really can't have the same level of certainty when you're trying to do these uh, more advanced analytics with these old data sets. So, mm-hmm. um, so basically, yeah, I mean, we're, we're looking at doing very similar types of research. We, we think about it in terms of you know any type of treatment uncertainty where it's not totally clear, like what the right treatment is Uh uh, for someone, or it's not totally clear that their treatments are doing exactly what you might expect. Um, That's where there's a really good research opportunity. And what we would love to do eventually um, is to have that research actually help us to kind of subdivide different groups of patients so that, you know, when you walk into the clinic and you say, hey, like I'm having, you know, side effects from from a drug, then they would say, okay, you're in this group of patients that like have you know this mutation and they're having this side effect so based on that we know that those people do best on this and like you can you can make you know much faster decisions on people's treatment and be more proactive so that it's because the reactive stuff I mean as you guys know it's really frustrating but it's also bad for your health like you end up you know having more issues and um you know you can have exacerbations and stuff so uh so that's kind of the the dream for us is that we can help to to kind of get patients better and, and make more proactive
0: treatment decisions. Gotcha. And now Celeste, on your end, you know, obviously that there, there is some apprehension on, on the side of patients to get involved in some of these kinds of things. I feel like patients live by this mentality, you know, I've survived this long, why should I change? You know, so I, I'm wondering, you know, from your perspective, what would you say to patients who are either willing to uh, get involved in folia or may have their, um, you know, may have some hesitations about it? Uh, what, what, what do you think they can get out of the, the entire program as a whole.
3: Wait, sorry, you uh you cut out for a little
0: bit. Okay, all, right, all right, well we'll go right back through it. So I'm kind of wondering, uh, for, for from the patient perspective, you know, what do you think uh, patients will get out of it? You know, so obviously some patients are um, apprehensive about change and uh, they're they're hesitating to you know get involved with you know this electronic world of medicine that we're kind of on the forefront of. You know, before you know it, telemedicine is going to be the norm and, and those kinds of things. Um, so what 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 would you say to those patients? who may have some hesitations and, uh, you know, what do you think they'll get out of it?
3: Yeah, well, um, you know, like we were just talking about, times are changing um, and things are being tracked everywhere with sensors and all of that information. Um, <clears throat> so I think uh, it's really important to have the experiencing self data rather than the remembering self data because, one, it's, you know, the remembering self data is inaccurate, basically. And that's the data that your doctor is going to be basing his or her decisions on. Um, and so I think to be at the you know prime of your health, I think it's super important that the data is not skewed, um, which is, you know, kind of what they're receiving right now. And I think Folia is able to give that accurate data and you know, we're working to have that for all patients. So I think it's super important if you want the, the best help you can from your doctors.
0: Cool. That's really good advice. So uh, we're running out of time here, and I'll, you know, I'll give you guys the last word of the interview. Um, now we'll go, we'll go with you first here. You know what do you, what do you want patients to know about folia? Why should they be using folia? And of course, where can they find folia?
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll start with the the second question first. So um, you can find Folia um, in two places. So if you have an iPhone, iPad, any type of Apple device, you can just go to the App Store and search Folia Health. Um, If you don't, you can always uh, go to my.foliahealth. Dot com, and you can use your invite code there and create um, a web account. And the web account works uh, well on your um, Android phone; it kind of like you know moves to, to fit the screen. And you can also use it on your laptop. And those two things sync too. So if you've got multiple people in your family who you want to track for, and they want to use different devices, the the two apps sync. And then the the invite code is um, fresh start nineteen. Um, but in terms of you know why you would use it, I think what we've found, I always come back to you know why would this have been a helpful tool for my mom 20 years ago when she was trying to figure out like what to do with my brother's brand new condition that you know she'd never heard of and uh, a lot of people had never heard of um and for her and i think for a lot of people like her um it's having the ability to take like a download of everything that you're noticing every day and you can put it somewhere you can kind of like have that mental burden relieved and you can put it somewhere where you feel like you know you can go find it, you can use it to improve the care that you're receiving or that your loved one's receiving, and you're not, like, losing out on the value of that experience. Like, you have to live through this, and it sucks. Uh-huh. So why wouldn't you create something that can be used for, you know, both improving your health, but then also for research so that, you know, we can we can further the state of, of care?
0: Uh-huh. Cool. And now, Celeste, on your end, <clears throat> you know, where do you see Folia going, and, um, you know, what uh, what is, what, is import, what is the most important piece for patients to know about folia, in your opinion?
3: Well, I think it's a super important tool to just kind of feel that self-control. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, it is really easy to get caught up in life and, um, you know, kind of forget about, okay, I have all these responsibilities regarding my health. And having one place where um, you can have all of that information can definitely put both you and um if you you know have a child who has cf um you and your child at ease and i think folia will eventually you know get you all um all diseases that are you know long term and um i think that's kind of what we're working on right now um you know adding different um what is it now um
2: like autoimmune conditions.
3: And- yeah, yeah, um, just like different conditions, um, different diseases, so that everyone can have um, the same advantage for their health. Um, so that's kind of our long-term goal, but we're doing it, you know, piece by piece, and you know, making sure that it's perfected before we go on to you know bigger things. And um, so we're, we're we're trying to be very detailed um, in. You know, making sure that it is working on both sides of like the patient and the uh, clinic setting. So I'm really excited to
2: see where it goes. <laughs> well, I'm Boston actually, also this summer to work with us on it.
0: Yeah. Oh, ba- Boston is awesome. I am very jealous that you're going to be there all summer. Uh, I- I'd certainly love that city. Uh, well, Nell and Celeste, thank you guys for joining us uh, on the podcast. Um, Final thing: uh, You guys have a social media presence. Are you guys on on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter? You know where can where can people find you there? And then, of course, it's my dot folia f o l i a health dot com. Yep,
2: yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so we're we're on Twitter, uh, Instagram. You can just find us by searching Folia Health.
0: Cool. Well, thanks, guys, and uh, we I appreciate the interview and uh, have a great day. All right.
2: All right. Thanks, Gunnar. Thank you to you. Bye.
0: All right. Well, that was a great interview. Um, I really enjoyed uh, the folks from Folia. I hope you enjoyed it too. Um, This has been a good episode. Um, Again, uh, we are excited to share uh, some of our care directions with you and how we choose to influence our care. And hopefully, Folia can be one of those things that you can use uh, to influence your own care. Um, So if you want to listen to us, we we post every Thursday. Um, Tiffany, where can people find us?
1: They can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify. And Gunnar And yeah. if you go on iTunes, give us a five-star rating, subscribe, and definitely leave a comment because we like the reviews. Yes. And if you guys want to uh, find us on Instagram, we're at at breathe underscore in underscore pod. And if you guys want to email us, we're at breathe underscore in underscore pod at Esiason.org.
0: Yes, we are. Well, thank you so much. That's yes. Tiffany Rich. I'm Gunnar We will talk to you next week, next Thursday. Have a great weekend, folks, and uh, we will see you next week.
1: Bye.